we're tracing the last steps of Jesus as He makes His way to Jerusalem and then one day to a cross. And one of those scenes is one of my very favorite ones. It's here in Mark chapter 10. If you've studied much about Jericho, you'll remember that in the Old Testament, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. And there was a curse placed upon that city. Anybody that built that city uh, would face the judgment of God. And if you remember about one of the kings, they did. Hile tried to rebuild those walls and then had a terrible, uh, devastating effect. We come to the New Testament and we see in this little, uh, in this city of Jericho, which by the way in this portion of Scripture has just been refurbished and it's beautiful and they call it the city of roses. Must have been roses everywhere. But we remember the scene of Zacchaeus here in Jericho. And then we move to Jesus when he coming, he's coming through. And actually in this moment, he's on his way out uh, of the city and he stops by to change someone's life. How many are glad this morning that he stopped by years ago, maybe, and changed your life? Amen or not? Or maybe, just maybe today, will be the day in someone's life that Jesus passes by. I want to preach on that subject for a moment, uh, just for a few minutes, on when Jesus passes by. Let's read the text, Mark 10, beginning in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, Jesus, with his disciples and a great number of people, Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace or be quiet. But he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him, the blind Bartimaeus, to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he, Jesus, calleth thee. And he, the blind man, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. When I was a little boy, there was an old preacher that was on the radio. His name was Lester Rolaw. You may catch him every now and then now, but he would open his program singing this chorus. One sat alone. How many ever heard that? Raise your hand. Beside the highway begging, his eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. We read stories like this and think, boy, that, how in the world could that really be true? And yet I want to remind you that every word in inspired Scripture is absolute fact. Every truth here, if I use the word story, it doesn't mean a fairy tale. It's a reality. And it actually happened. This morning in the early service, in the 8 o'clock service, David Coburn was here. David is blind, but he's unlike uh, the blind, blind Bartimaeus in that there was a day in his life when he saw because of a tragic accident. He lost his vision um, in an industrial accident years ago, but he at least has the memories of the wind blowing in the trees like we saw on the mountain a couple of days ago. He, he has the memories of seeing the birds singing and the 
and the beautiful dogwoods and azaleas in bloom. David can recall that in his memory. And memory is a very beautiful and powerful thing, but not blind Bartimaeus. As a matter of fact, the blindness started in Bartimaeus' life when he was in his mother's womb. And it never changed. Upon his birth, he's still blind. And this moment, after years of begging, sitting by the wayside, he's still, according to them, blind Bartimaeus. But something is about to happen that's going to change everything in this man's life. Jericho was 18 miles north of Jerusalem. It would be one of his stops on his way uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, there was a large crowd following, verse 46 says, that would not have just been disciples and followers of Jesus. Some of these were pilgrims on their way to the Passover. Everyone had heard of Jesus. And uh, in this moment, his life upon the earth is about to uh, come to an end. But we're going to see one final miracle here in the book of Mark, uh, one final healing miracle. I can almost imagine him that day, Waking up like every other day, shaking the straw from his body, wrapping around him that cloak that he begged in day by day, making his way with the help of others down to that place where he would sit day by day and cry out for help. His only means of uh, how to receive anything for substance and eating would be to beg for it. And maybe on that day there would have been somebody that would have been a little generous that would have given him a little crust of bread. I don't know. Some days I'm sure that would happen. Other days, no. I'm, I'm certain that there were times he was ridiculed and people didn't want him to be in the particular place where he was. But on this day, th- something is different. He hears the footsteps of the people, maybe the, the, uh, the steps of the animals as they come down through town, the, the merchants as they're bringing their wares to the marketplace. But he hears children laughing and singing and and then he hears really what appears to be lots of footsteps coming in his direction he's asking everyone what's happening tell me what's happening and finally someone says it's Jesus Jesus of Nazareth well those words caused his ears to perk up he had heard the stories and he as he sat there and listened and they tell me that when one sense is gone or diminished, the others are heightened. And he probably had very good hearing. And he had heard all these things about Jesus, how he had raised the dead, how he had healed the sick, and even caused blind eyes to see. And so as he sat there that day, he made his mind up with passion that I'm going to get his attention. If he's coming by here, I want what he has to offer. And if anybody can help me, A blind man by the roadside, I believe it's Jesus. So I want you to notice, first of all, we're going to look at beginning in verse 46, the condition of a sinner or the condition of blind Bartimaeus. I want you to notice, first of all, his condition. Look at verse 46. But they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the wayside begging And when he had heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now that, the statement in and of itself got my attention. I I was thinking of, here he is, and he's a blind man in that city, and yet he knows quite a lot. He might not have been a theologian, but he knew something about Jesus. This was no mere man. 
He makes some statements about him that leads us to believe that he believed him to be the Christ. Do you remember the day in your life when you maybe first heard the name Jesus? Or you recognized for the first time that this was no more normal man, that the Son of God had come to invite you into his family? This would be a moment that this man would never forget the condition of him. He knew what he needed. What he needed most, according to his prayer, he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have what? Mercy on me. He knew he was lost. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was blind. Do you know the challenge today is getting people to a place to recognize their need of a Savior? Folks think they're all right. They got plenty of money. Their health is okay. And I'm going to tell you, it's in moments like this when the Lord has reached down and shaken our nation that people begin to recognize that there's a life beyond this one and there's a need for a Savior. But not blind Bartimaeus. He knew what he needed, and it was mercy. His condition. I want you to notice not only the condition of blind Bartimaeus, I could say more, but for sake of time and because I smelt that pork cooking outside... Number two, let me hasten to give you the cry of blind Bartimaeus. You know, everything had been the same about his life. His pattern, where he would go, habits, outlook. It wasn't too bright. But God's about to change all of that. In this reality, he cries out. Look at verse 47 again. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, if you read all of that, he just keeps saying it. He says it again and again. Most believe that he had not only some knowledge of Jesus, but that he had heard and he acknowledged his Messiahship. He believed that Jesus was the Christ. Here's one of the ways that he knew it, and I didn't say this in the early hour. You know something he didn't ask Jesus for? Money. He didn't ask Jesus for food. You know what he wanted from Jesus? Mercy. That's what he wanted. He had asked others all of his life. All he'd ever known was a life of begging as a blind man. But he didn't ask that of Jesus because Jesus was number one in his opinion, and we know as fact, was the son of David. A statement used, very interestingly, not much in the Scriptures, acknowledging that he believed that Jesus Christ was and is the son of God, the son of David and the son of God that would come as the Messiah. He said, have mercy on me. His voice arising above the... And by the way, you'd have to be loud. They're coming down through town. This is a busy time of day. All the people are everywhere. And this man's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I saw something in the text that I'd never seen before all the times I've ever plowed through it. And it was this, passion. The passion of this man. He made up his mind. I'm going to get his attention. I'm not going to stop. They're trying to tell him. If you read further in the text, they charge him, verse 48, that he would hold his peace. Be quiet, beggar. Be quiet. Shut up. Don't say anything more. He doesn't hear a word of that. He just raises his voice even louder. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He just keeps on saying it over and over and over again. And I saw it, the passion in this man. As they're trying to shut him down, I saw something that I'll show you a text of in just a moment. But I also saw the same passion yesterday afternoon. Yesterday, I was invited to a banquet. 
It was a banquet for, uh, for evangelism among children. And I saw it in two young ladies that were standing up telling a story. I saw it in other ways too. But they told a story of going week after week and sharing Jesus in a special place again and again and again. And no visible fruit. I, I'm sure somebody got, came to Christ that we don't know about. But no visible fruit. No kids coming to faith in Jesus. It was a, it was a time to share Jesus with young people. And after almost two years, the, the, the opportunity is coming to an end. Two more times. And there was a young woman there, I think a 16-year-old young girl by the name of Gwen, that began to get a burden to pray. And she can't attend the study, and she begins to pray. And she prays with passion. And she comes before God, believing that He has power to do it. And she said, Lord, before this club is over, I believe you're going to save at least one person. The labor is being done by some of our young evangelists that I love so much, both of whom are here this morning. But I want to tell you, after you just be faithful in the field, with passion, you deliver that truth. Somebody's praying with, she begins to pray. The word comes, it wasn't the first time I heard it though, because these girls, Mackenzie had already told me that story. And then, then the, look here, I'm telling you right now, God, let me say it this way, passion gets the attention of God. I'm going to say that again. You didn't hear that. Passion gets the attention of God. Whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to, do it with all your heart. This blind man is teaching us something on the roadside. He's crying out even more, though everybody else in the city is telling him, be quiet. He just keeps hollering, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he gets the attention of the Savior. I was thinking about that and remembered a verse. I want you to keep your finger here and turn back to Matthew 11 just for a quick minute. I want to show you uh, an unusual verse that has become one of my favorites. Lee Ingram, a mentor in my life years ago, mentioned this verse to me. And I heard Pastor James preach on it one time here in our church. In chapter 11, which is where Herb Revis, our guest speaker, preached about John the Baptist and about the miracles that night of revival. Boy, it was a great sermon. But he got through about verse 11. I want you to notice, beginning in, or just look at verse 12, one verse. Jesus is talking, and he said, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, listen to this, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. I'm going to tell you, every, every obstacle to the gospel will come to close it down and stop and, and slow it. But the violent take it by force. Those who are passionate and are in the fight. And I want to tell you in this moment, as we turn back to Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus is crying out, Lord, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I want to ask you something this morning. He went for it. Are you willing to go for it? You see, if you're hurting this morning, if you're in a mess, if you're in a sin, if you're cold on God, did you know He'll hear your cry too? Maybe you just haven't been passionate enough. Maybe you, you seem like you want it, but you don't really want it enough. I'm telling you, when you come to God and you're passionate about it, the way He was crying out, God will hear your cry. Number one, the condition of Bartimaeus and sinners like us. Number two, the cry 
of Bartimaeus and sinners like us. Number three, I want you to see the call from Jesus. Oh, I love this. this you want to see the heart of Jesus? Right now we're going to see it in these verses in just a second. You want to see his heart? I'm telling you, look at the next part of the text. And the Bible says, after he heard him saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. You know what will stop Jesus in his path? Just right there as he passes by, any cry from a sinner, a lost sinner or a saved sinner. You passionately come before him and cry out to God. I'm telling you, he still hears us. I study after a man by the name of Kent Hughes. Mr. Hughes, in talking about this, said, you know, Jesus isn't in a big crowd in a city street like Jericho any longer. He's not in a big throng, but he's in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And all around him is a multitude of the heavenly angels and the seraphim and the cherubim. And they're declaring, holy, holy, holy. And hosannas all over the place. There's all the saints that have gone before. Worshiping and magnifying his name. Listen to what Mr. Hughes said. He said in heaven, with all the hosts around him, more than in this text, Mr. Hughes said, yet... He hears all of us beggars when we cry. Even a million of us at the same time, Jesus still hears and still cares and still responds to our cry. Jesus said, here's his call. Listen to this, the call of the Savior. He stood still, he heard him, and he commanded him to be called. He said, bring, bring him over here to me. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He must have been sitting down on the curb. He calleth for thee. Now, I, I've just got, you know, I have a glorified imagination. I'm trying to imagine all the scene of this. People everywhere thronging all on Jesus. People all around. Jesus knew he would be there because he's God and he knows everything. He knew the moment, knew all of it that was going to happen. But this blind man is crying out with everything he's got. Everybody's trying to shut him down. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops dead in his path. I can just see it. It's like those moments, Chris and Heather, the other day on the highway. Heather was driving, and somebody stopped ahead of her, and then she, got, she stopped, but the guy behind her didn't, and he bumped into her, and she bumped into him. I kind of imagine it kind of like that. Jesus just stops dead still. And all of a sudden, all his followers are bumping into him, and the pilgrims are dropping and bumping into him. And all of a sudden... Jesus says, go get him, and he calls him. And the blind man hears him say, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth for thee. And then he does something really unusual for a blind man, according to everything I've read. He takes his garment, and he casts it away. He flings it away. Now, I asked David in the early service. I said, David, is it typical for a blind man to push away, or would he want to keep it within hand's reach? so that he wouldn't have to ask another to help him receive it. Oh, no, this was unusual. It was an act of faith on the, on the part of blind Bartimaeus, a part of it. He just flows that, throws that, ro that robe away. And here's the reason. He's not going to need that one anymore. Things are about to change in his life, and he has faith to believe it. And the Bible says, he casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. I see faith in that. Oh, the heart of God in caring about sinners. He asked him a question. I love the question he asked. Hey, what will thou that I should do unto thee? Hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? 
You know, I tell you what Bartimaeus didn't have to do. He didn't have to scratch his head and say, well, let me think about that. No, he knew exactly. I see faith in what he said and the way he said it. He knew exactly what he wanted, what he needed from God. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith. Hey, something happened to you before. I'm going to give you your sight in a minute. But something more important just happened to you, son. You, you exercised something that connected with me and connected with my Father and changed your life. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Not just visibly whole or physically whole, but your faith has made you whole. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I was thinking one of these days I'd like to see somebody fall under such conviction in this church as to just run down the aisle and come to Jesus like that. We've seen them come down the aisles, but I'd like to see somebody just lose it right in the middle of a service and come running down the aisle to come to faith in Jesus. That's exactly what he did. And then I was thinking <clears throat> the first thing that he saw, the first thing that his eyes would ever behold is he's looking face to face with his Savior. Jesus had responded to at least three things. I'll just read them. He responded to his perception of his own darkness. Did you know you won't ever see light until you respond to your own darkness? If you're sitting here this morning, you're lost and you know it. Or maybe you're scratching your head and wondering if I'm saved or not. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. If there's no evidence that you're saved, if you don't love the Word of God and you're not in it and you're not loving talking to Him and you don't love Him and you're not spending time with Him and you're not captivated by Him and you're continuing in the same lifestyle you had before you supposedly came to Him, then you don't have to scratch your head and question it anymore. I'll go ahead and tell you if there's no evidence that you're saved, there's a very good possibility that you're lost. And I don't care if you're a church member here or someplace else. I'd want to be sure and certain that I was ready to meet God in these last days. You see, he responded to his perception of his own darkness. Number two, he also, Jesus also responded to blind man to his powerful assessment of who Jesus was. You don't get saved until you realize that Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of God. He's not just a good man. He's the God man that came and went to the cross for your sins. If you believe that, will you say amen real quick? I'm closing now, coming in for a landing. Look at this last one. Jesus responded not only to his perception, to his own darkness, and his powerful assessment of Christ, but he also responded to his passion and his persistence. As he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, I wonder if there's somebody that will cry out with passion to him this morning and come to Jesus and be born again. As I was reading this story, I thought, you know, some people might mistakenly think that Bartimaeus is the hero of this story. Bartimaeus ain't the hero of this story. I mean, I'm glad he cried out and didn't quit. I'm glad for his passion. I'm glad he knew who Jesus was. I, I'm glad he got mercy. But he couldn't have come to Jesus. Jesus came to him. So the hero in this story is the same hero in every story. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the hero of your story if you've got one. If not, you can have a story this morning by coming to Jesus in faith. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Boy, that'd be a good prayer to pray this morning. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that wanted it like Bartimaeus wanted it. And you might can see physically 
but you ain't ever seen spiritually. I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing like when the scales fall from your eyes and you get a glimpse of a risen Christ. It changes everything. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Lord, is there one person in this room that needs to cry right now to you? Lord Jesus, thou Son of God, Son of David, have mercy on me and save my soul. If there is, Lord, I pray right now the Holy Ghost would bring such conviction that they'd pray it right now. Jesus, thou Son of David and God, have mercy on me and save me. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Maybe there's another in this room. You're saved. But you're in a mess right now. You're in a hole and it feels like you're not going to be able to get up. It's a sin. That's a pattern and a cycle. Or maybe it's a weight. Or there's something going on with someone else you love that's about to kill you. Why don't you cry out to him this morning? He responds. He stopped. Still. He responds. To the cry of his child. The cry of a saved sinner. As a believer, will you cry out to him right now? Lord, help me. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on them. Jesus said to that man, rise. In the moment we're going to stand. And I'm going to invite you from all over this room to come. Do business with God in this altar. I don't know what it is going on in your heart. If you need somebody to pray with you, you can do it. There are people here. Maybe you just need to find a place in the altar. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to, whatever you need to do, just obey God. Father, this is your invitation. I pray you'd stop. You're passing by this morning. Would you stop by every heart where there's an innocent cry for mercy? And we'll praise you in Jesus' name.